Welcome once again, Bears fans, to another episode of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. We're going to kick things off a little bit differently this week. Obviously, with the offseason, we're going to be doing different topics, uh, simply because it right now is kind of a quiet time, but OTAs are happening. That's true. Uh, we're not going to talk about OTAs because... Not today. I don't really think that much interesting has happened, other than, I guess, some players didn't show up, which (laughs) every year everyone makes a big deal of that, and then nobody remembers by the time the season kicks off, so we're going to skip that discussion. You can find it pretty much everywhere else that discusses the Bears, (laughs) Um, and like Tom just said, one of the... Yeah, this is kind of a a general downtime of the year, and there's not a ton going on between the draft and free free agency between then and the start of training camp so we still wanted to do episodes so we came up with something kind of fun for this one and we just said we were gonna write down some of the non-Justin Fields storylines that we're looking forward to heading into next year and we just kind of go back and forth and just each list off the storylines that we're excited about and we'll just Spend some time on each of them because we talk so much about the quarterback, but there's a lot going on with this team. I think there's a lot to be excited about, and there's a lot of aspects of the the Bears that I'm really looking forward to seeing how they play out come August and then once we get into the season. So I wrote down five. Tom said he wrote down two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go first, and I think the... One that came to my mind immediately is just figuring out which wide receivers or or maybe which skill position players are the building blocks here because there's a pretty crowded wide receiver room and the Bears have some new running backs and they've got a couple of tight ends now on the roster. So a lot of skill position players on this roster that you feel varying degrees of good about, but with... with the exception of DJ Moore, you don't really know which ones are in the long-term plans and which ones are maybe going to be here for another year and then gone. And I think that's a big part of what this season's going to be about is just seeing which players step up and really grab a roster spot for the next several years and which ones maybe end up elsewhere. So I think that's going to be one of the things that I have my eye on for most of the year. Absolutely. Everyone is looking at that, um, especially with what we uh, with what we had available last year. Um, so uh, last year, uh, just quickly looking at this, uh, you know, we brought in Byron Pringle. Uh, you and I both liked that signing, but, you know, he really didn't end up doing much because he was uh, hurt most of the year. Uh, brought in Equinemius St. Brown, which basically everybody hated. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I, but you know, he actually he played pretty well uh, for for being what he is, and uh, which is really a special teams player. Got himself a second contract. He got himself a second contract. Looks like he'll be a good number five, right? And then uh, we brought in Dante Pettis, who uh, obviously is not that great of a player, uh, but he did, I, 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 he did put up career numbers for himself. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he. Earned himself a, a second contract, good but punt, good punt returner too. Yeah, and you know when you're looking at uh, what you have available right now um, uh, on on the team, uh, Chase Claypool, uh, you know Valus Jones, Dar- uh, Darnell Mooney, DJ Moore, Dante Pettis, 
and then you got some guys. Uh, you you got Tyler Scott uh, from the draft and Equinemius, um, and then you got some holdovers. Simba Webster uh, is from undrafted free agency. Joe Reed. Fyreek Pitts. <laughs> Remember that name? Is that Kyle's brother? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, and then uh, Doris Fountain and Aaron Cookshank. Right. So, I mean, what we're, you know, what we need to see is, and this actually was uh, blends into one of the ones I wrote down. And my focus specifically with the receiver core, um, we're we're in limbo because we. We were. It was an awesome move for Poles to go get a number one, right? That that cannot be disputed. Making DJ Moore part of that trade for the first pick was brilliant, and I give him an A plus for it. Uh, so for once, since the, the first time since Brandon Marshall, we we actually are going into the season with an undisputed one. There is no question that he will be one. So what happens is, to uh, dig a little bit into yours, is Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. And, you know, what do you you see it as? I I mean, I I think that if you you ask them what their ideal world is, if you asked Ryan Poles and and he was honest with you, I think he'd say that he wants the wide receiver core going forward to be DJ Moore, Chase Claypool and Tyler Scott. And that's obviously to be supplemented by future draft picks, but I don't think that the Bears... So you're looking at Scott as a replacement for Mooney. I think that's what they're doing. Yeah. And I I think that Bears fans, for example, and and we've talked about this too, have said maybe they can get Marvin Harrison Jr. in the draft next year. Yeah. I'd be pretty surprised if that's what they want to do because that's going to be a top five pick. And they've already invested a ton of draft capital in that wide receiver room. So they've bet a lot on that Claypool move because they gave up a lot for him. And I think that if they were to be honest about how they see this wide receiver situation shaping out, I think it's the three guys that I mentioned. And then you draft a guy every year in the mid rounds and you see if you can get any you know, any bargains and free agency, but I just get the sense that they don't want to commit to guys that they didn't bring in. And Darnell Mooney's also had the injury, which is a question mark. We don't even know if he's going to be ready to go. We hope he is. And I'm not even saying that this is necessarily what I would do because I like Darnell Mooney. Uh-huh. But I, I think that they are building around the three guys that I said and there's some risk there too because we Claypool could completely bust out. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, he he didn't have a great start to his Bears career. And Tyler Scott, that's a fourth round pick. We don't know if he's going to be any good. So that's why there's depth, and it's certainly not out of the question that one or both of those things could happen. And Darnell Mooney has a great year, and they say, all right, well, we're changing our plan. We're building around Mooney. But I think in the ideal world if i'm ryan poles I, I want the players that i gave up a lot for to be the players that i'm building around so um as i was uh, saying uh, chase claypool was one of the ones i wrote down what will be the impact of chase claypool simply because he was such a hot topic going through the off season based on the fact that we essentially gave up pick number 32 for him yeah. um which 
is a little unfair because at the time we didn't know we were giving up pick number 32. But, hey, it is what it is, right? They gave up pick 32 for him. Now, at the same time, um, you know, uh, one of the things that we're seeing is uh, I went back to look at his numbers with Pittsburgh before he came to Chicago, his first two seasons. His first two seasons started 19 games out of 32, uh, caught 121 balls out of 214 targets, 1,733 yards, 11 touchdowns, and a 14.3 yard average. Uh, that's on 50, uh, 56.5% um, catch rate. Now, those are numbers. Those numbers are pretty solid by any by any measure. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a solid number two or number three guy uh, on your offense. Now you factor in the in that uh, he's six foot four, two hundred thirty eight pounds, and twenty four years old. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's he's going to be entering uh, into his first full year in the offense. He's had. He's had half a year to work with his starting quarterback, and you know so that will be a, a big factor. Uh, not only his experience last year, but the uh, experience of going through the off season. Those first two seasons, he averaged sixty-one catches, eight hundred sixty-seven yards, six touchdowns at fourteen point three per. That's pretty good. In a pretty crowded wide receiver room. In a pretty crowded wide receiver room. It's not like the Steelers didn't have other options on those teams. Yeah, and they had, you know, pretty cruddy uh, quarterback play. Yeah, they did. So, regardless of what you think about Chase Claypool, he's not as bad as he looked last year when he was playing. Agreed. And he didn't. He didn't just forget how to play. Yeah. So I don't know what the deal is was with with him and why he wasn't more impactful. It might have been that he didn't know the plays. It might have been that he was struggling to fit in a new situation. We don't know, but probably D all of the above. Yeah, it's it's, it's put up or shut up time for him, and he's going to be playing for a new contract. So I think he's going to have a big year. I, I just have a feeling that. This is a, a super talented guy that's motivated. Gonna, like this has to be his all-time high motivation, right? Because right. go earn that big contract. Um, and I just think that there's enough talent there that if it doesn't come through this year, it's never going to come through. So what impact will he have? It remains to be seen. But I, I, I think that the Bears are going to try to maximize this year from him because they gave up a lot for him and because he's a really talented player. And if that doesn't materialize, then that's just a waste in, in every regard. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, um, uh, what we see, uh, if trying to look through Getsy's eyes, um, how I would see it is DJ Moore is your primary. You need somebody to pull coverage off of him and that's going to be one of Claypool's things, okay. is wh- which guy does does the coverage focus on? They're both deep ball factor guys. Yep. They both can go up and fight for the ball. Uh, and so, you know, where where do we see that? And they need Clay, Claypool to be that 1A, right? Not number two, 1A. So... Because that way, um, you can still maintain focus on Moore as your primary, 
but you do have a plus right there. Um, and then when it goes from there, that's when you can look at your Tyler Scott or uh, your um, or Darnell Mooney or even the JJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of speed in that room too, especially when you start talking about Scott and Mooney. Their their biggest attributes are their speed. So yeah. If if Claypool serious speed, yeah, like that's their that's their thing is that they're really fast, and so if Claypool and Moore both have it going and they're drawing serious attention from the defense, someone's got to be open somewhere. And when you've got other guys that are insanely fast and that can get down the field, then someone's got to be open somewhere when you've got that much talent in your receiver room. So. That's why. And with with Velas, the one thing that he did show last year was his on the field speed. Yeah, for sure. And so that that's another guy that we've barely mentioned so far, but it's certainly in play that he is a building block still. Right. It's also in play that maybe he gets cut this year. Maybe he does. <laughs> but I I think that the hope would be that he figured out some things in the off season and that. He's an impact player on this offense this year. Maybe not to the degree of Moore or hopefully Claypool or, or Mooney, but that's somebody that you can look to as depth for future years because there's no way he's as bad as, as what we saw last year either. It's, Agreed. it's kind of the same thing as Claypool. Like, you don't draft a guy in the third round if he's that awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he might. Okay, it's not a might. He was a reach. Yeah. At that at that particular spot, he was a reach. But this guy wasn't a no one. Uh, he, he won SEC Special Teams Player of the Year. He, winning anything Player of the Year in the SEC is a hard thing to do. Yeah, it's a big deal. So it's a lot, a, a lot of options there. And I, I think that it's just going to be a fun competition to watch. And I hope Darnell Mooney's healthy. I hope he comes out and proves me wrong because I think he's a really likable player. And I'd love it if he got a second contract with the Bears because... You know, fifth round pick made good, right? Yeah, that that's the success story. It's just that he wasn't a fifth round pick by this regime, so you you wonder if that's just gonna go against him because that's a thing that I've noticed about Ryan Poles is he seems to like his guys. So it, one thing I, I do want to um, uh, add on to that you were you were touching on this, uh, and I do want to hear what your take is on it. So I feel like bringing in Robert Tanyan was specifically for red zone threat. Yeah, I love that move. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't see him, uh, uh, you know, buddy of the show, Matt, <laughs> loves to say, yeah, but he blocks well. Well, that, that he definitely does not seem like he was brought in for blocking. He was brought in to catch the ball, and he was brought in specifically to make plays in the end zone. I agree. I mean, I think Komet's the blocking tight end. I do, too. He, he's a really good blocker, and... A lot of good offenses have both, right? I mean, go and watch a Chiefs game or the old Saints games with Jimmy Graham. Those are basically wide receivers playing tight end, and that's fine. That's a position in the modern NFL. Yeah, But I agree. That's what Tunyon was brought in to do. Now he's not as talented as those guys, but he could catch a lot of passes for this team. And like you said, he could catch a lot of touchdowns because he's a big body and he's proven that he can be a productive receiver and he had one great year in Green Bay. He was decent last year. That, But the Green Bay offense broke last year. Yeah. So 
We don't know how much of his lower He was production. a rising star there. He was. Yeah. Uh, certainly a fan favorite. Um, <laughs> we saw plenty of him <laughs> against us, so it's certainly nice to have him with us. Yeah, I mean, he caught double-digit touchdowns one year, right? Yeah. I, wanna, might, I might double-check that, but he caught a lot of touchdowns, I think, three years ago, and then two years ago he was hurt, and then last year he played every game. It was just... The numbers weren't all there, but again, we don't know if that was on him or if that was just a general offensive problem in Green Bay. Yeah, three years ago, 11 touchdowns for Robert Tunyon. So. Yeah, I mean, that's that's awesome. And that's definitely his role. I mean, when you get down into the red zone with this team, there's some serious weapons because Claypool should be able to go up and get it. Moore should be able to. Tunyon, we just talked about as a threat. Cole Komet is, I, I think, really showed some improvement last year in the receiving game, and... I, that's not even talking about Justin Fields, who is as dynamic as any athlete you're going to see in the NFL right now. So yeah, this is just two year, two years removed, and his numbers that year were sick. He caught 52 of 59 targets for 88 percent at 11.3 for a tight end. Yeah, that's that's top of the league right there. And then, like you said, 11 touchdowns. That's just 33 first downs. I mean, and, uh, and you know, we, we've talked on the show about the fact that Paul seems to really like guys who are Bears fans. He's, he grew up a Bears fan. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good, it's a good call out by you because I think that signing's gone under the radar, but I think could end up being a pretty impactful player on this offense. So that, that's just back to the point of watching the skill position players develop and, would it surprise me if after this year the Bears are re-signing Robert Tanyan to a long deal? It, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Right, right. All right, so I think that's my first one, and we sounds like we covered your first one as well. With yeah, Claypool. You wanna, go ahead. You want me to do a second one? Sure. So here's something that I'm excited to watch or evaluate that's not necessarily on the field, but I'm excited to be able to evaluate if this coaching staff is actually legit. Yeah, because, that was one of the ones I was trying to formulate a question on. Yeah, it was just everything from last year was just such an incomplete. It was. And I, I think Getsy Huge question marks at the beginning of the year, at the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. And Getsy, so if we start with him, I think that there's at least some tangible positives and negatives I can talk about. Mm-hmm. Because you did see Fields take a next step when they had that mini buy yep. and when they changed up the offense a little bit. So that's a big plus for Getze. Uh The aforementioned uh, Claypool, when his, with his first game, we noticed uh, that he was able to, uh, we, we saw our receivers get open a little bit more yep. uh, because uh, just because Claypool was on the field pulling on defense. Yep. But there's some negatives too. I mean, there were times last year when I thought the play calling got too conservative or times when the Bears needed two yards and a huge play and <laughs> they handed it off instead of letting Justin Fields make a play or there was the situation in Atlanta I think where Getsy didn't recognize that his quarterback was injured yeah so th- there's some good and bad there but I still think by and large incomplete and then when you go to Eberflus slash Allen Williams I mean I've really got nothing yeah <laughs> because last year when the Bears defense went on the field that was time to uh, get another drink or check what's going on <laughs> check red zone to check see what's going zone. on in the other games or, a lot of red zone yeah go talk to your friends because I mean the defense just had such little talent that 
it was pretty impossible to evaluate the defensive coaching staff and Flus in general. I mean, guys seemed to play hard for most of the year, yeah. but the talent was just so underwhelming yeah. on the roster that you couldn't really evaluate. It was just weak everywhere. Yeah, you, you couldn't evaluate, like, how are they in close game situations? How are they schematically when they're going up against a team that is pretty even from a talent standpoint? Yeah. Do they get their guys to play hard late in the season, right? So I, I think now that there's more talent on this roster, expectations are a bit higher and not necessarily you know through the roof, right? No one's thinking that this team's going to win a Super Bowl, but I think that if, if we get through this year and this team wins five games, that's going to be a pretty big disappointment. Yeah, There's going to be a lot more There anger. needs to be significant, noticeable improvement. Yeah, everywhere, and... There's enough talent on this roster that you should be able to compete in a lot more games. Right. So I think the coaching is going to show, it's just going to be a, a much bigger topic of conversation than it was last year. Now, one thing uh, we can look at as a positive, um, you know, devoid of talent is the first thing that came to my mind when you started talking about it. Uh, you know, Poles wanted to strip the team down to the down to the studs, and that's what he did. Um you know, the, uh, now we're looking at putting some sheetrocking in and some, some wall outlets, <laughs> you know, so, uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a situation where we've got stuff to add to make it more look like a, an actual livable house. Now, last year was like the bottoming out. Yeah, it really was. And that, now the rebuild has, has started. And he wasn't, you know, at the same time, Poles wasn't shy about it. I mean, he, he just made it perfectly clear. I'm stripping the, I'm stripping this down, and we're going to start all over. And that's what we're doing. And so far, um, it, it, it's it's played out pretty well. Now, of course, the the you know the big talk has been at this point has been focused around uh, you know no noticeable improvement at edge rusher. And I'm I'm just not going to go. I'm just not going to touch that for right now. Instead, what I'm looking at is the large infusion that we got on the defensive line at defensive tackle, um, that you can't ignore that. It could be as many as, you know, five new guys uh, going there. There's no way that you make that kind of investment. Well, is it possible that they all fail? Sure. Is it likely? I don't think so. So I think that you do see a noticeable improvement just because... Um, oh, you and I talked about this. How it's it's like polls is improving from the back of the defense forward. Yeah. Last year he he made some improvements. They were small, but they were improvements on the secondary. This year he made some improvements in the secondary. He made improvements in the middle. Uh, and then he made improvements with the front line. One of the things they were saying about Edwards and uh, Ed, uh, and Edmonds uh, was, well, is the defensive line going to be able to keep uh, the offensive line off of those guys? How effective are they going to be if, if they're being mauled every single play? Right. Well, that's obviously not going to happen because no matter what, we got five new guys in there to, for, the, for the offensive line, the opposite offensive lines to deal with. Yeah, I think so, and... That's one thing that people that actually did pay closer attention to the Bears' defense last year than I did. Yeah. They, they were 
questions about the scheme that Allen Williams was running and whether or not he was putting specifically the defensive lineman in the best position to succeed. And I'm not a sophisticated enough evaluator of defensive line play to be able to speak to that, but the smart people that I do listen to did have some questions. So we don't know last year. We'll never know. Did the Bears get the most that they possibly could out of that really, really bad roster? Or were they just too bad to... Like, was it so bad that no amount of coaching was going to make a difference? And I think, to your point, they've brought in some higher draft picks on the line. They've brought in some free agents that are not necessarily the top-tier free agents that were out there, but weren't necessarily the bargain basement... That we were shopping for last year. Yeah, so I think there is more talent on that line specifically, and then... Like you said, the back half of the defense is dramatically improved. So I think that this goes back to the point of now it's time to, to coach these guys up and uh, say, all right, this isn't a top defense in the league in terms of talent, but it's not at the bottom anymore either. So Yeah, you, you and that defensive line, you know, that group, um, it, it's interesting to see what kind of uh, competition that's going to generate. Well, and there's young players, too. When you talk specifically about Dexter and Pickens, is it realistic that those two are going to come in and be like day one ass kickers under the line? Probably not, but you want to see them develop into that as the season goes on. It, it could happen. Yeah, it could, but it probably won't, not right away. It's going to, yeah, it's going to take time and experience. Yeah. But, I mean, they can come in... They're, they're both quality enough players, just based on what we saw as far as their history in college. They're both quality enough players that they can come in and make an impact. It, you know, get their get their name shown on TV. Yeah, for sure. And that there's going to be a spotlight on both those guys because right now the starters going into the year are projected at Justin Jones and Billings. But I think the hope is that as the season moves on, the draft picks start taking snaps from those guys. So... That's all going to be coaching, too, because neither of those players were super productive in college, which is why they weren't first-round picks. And now you've got to take the traits, which both those players clearly have, and mold that into your DeForest Buckner or your Tommy Harris and Tank Johnson, right? Pick whatever three-technique-slash-four-three defense you're 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 trying to model this after and and mold those guys into the (coughs) into what you hope they turn into when you drafted them so i think that's just coaching and that's just gonna be a a huge focus for me this season is just seeing all right now that there's more talent on this roster what what are you doing with it like jervon dexter six foot six three hundred twelve pounds and he's 21. <laughs> yeah. God, you forget how young these guys are sometimes. But I mean, that, wow. that's another thing with coaching, though, is do do more with less. Because, sure, last year the roster was just brutal. This year, are you as talented as every team you're going to play? Of course not. But I, I think you've got enough to compete in darn near every game. I mean, sure, I, I'm not going to come on this podcast and rant and rave if they get blown out by Kansas City at Arrowhead. But for the most part, the Bears, I think, should be in every game and should have a chance to win every game with the talent that's on this roster now. So that just goes back to my overall point on coaching. And I'm excited to stop grading these guys on a curve or having to say, 
every single week, well, yeah, this wasn't great, but the roster sucks, so who knows? I, I think that the roster has improved enough that we can start evaluating the coaches for real. I, I think that uh, if we had polls here, he would agree with you yeah. wholeheartedly. Um, I mean, because some of it is him. Some of it is uh, his evaluators, and uh, he's the one that's making the picks when it comes right down to it. So he's not he, he's he's taking these guys because he believes they're going to be a significant upgrade for the roster. Uh, so you know he he has faith in in, in Zach Pickens. He has faith in, in Javon uh, Dexter. Uh, so those are those are two guys that he's looking at as I brought these guys in for long term. You know I, I brought them in because I want to see them. I want these as the guys that I'm bringing in as my own talent to develop because I believe that we d- we build a great organization through the draft. He's said that over and over and over again. And I also think that that relates to why you don't see him going and spending those huge dollars on some of these free agents is simply because that's not the way he sees making a winning roster. I think that's right. And, I think the honeymoon is going to be over with the front office, too, because if the season goes on and these draft picks aren't making a difference and maybe some of the picks from last year regress or don't take a next step, people are going to start asking, does Ryan Poles know what he's doing? And that's going to be fair. So Absolutely. I think that is intertwined with my point about the coaches, is that it's time to really start evaluating this for real. Last year, you tried to lose and you did. Congratulations, but there's been enough draft picks and enough free agency dollars spent that it's going to be time to start evaluating this whole thing for real and whether or not it's going in the right direction. Well, and one of the things, you know, when you and I were watching games last year, um, we we certainly had some criticism uh, for Getze, whether he was brand new or not. There was there was definitely, like you said, some some very questionable. Uh, calls that he made and but you had to you had to give him a moment uh, uh to you had to look at it from the other perspective and that was he it was well known by our coaching staff by our management staff that he did not call plays before he came to uh before he came to chicago uh to, he came as a he was a you know a coordinate uh, a quarterbacks coach slash passing game coordinator before he got there now so this is this was a huge step for him as a as a coach i mean that's a big step to suddenly take over a team's entire offense and doing it with scant <laughs> talent right yes so scat is <laughs> scat so so but at the same time okay we gave you the benefit of the doubt last year we let some things slide that really were like uh, you know what are you thinking here what are you seeing so there has to be as you were saying you have to see some tangible results this year because he has more to work with. Yeah, I think just in general, the comment on the Bears is it's back on, right? I mean, yeah, last two years have been just pretty brutal because the last year of Nagy, everybody knew that was over and the roster was terrible and he didn't have a quarterback and everyone was just sitting there just kind of waiting for the thing to be over. And then last year was the bottoming out where... It was better that the team lost, so 
there really haven't been legit expectations on the Bears since really I would say the mid part of 2020, yeah, which was the COVID year, and even then. By the halfway point of the year, it was kind of clear that it wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. So, I think expectations are, are high right now. And I think people expect a lot from this team. And I think every <coughs> every play, it's going to be back to where every single play is being micromanaged by the fans. And that's good. That means you've got a team that people are excited about. And that's big boy market football. So, yeah. excited to get back to that. All right. So, next storyline. Do you want to do one? Sure. So mine was, um, uh, how will uh, the offensive line affect sack totals? Sack totals were a, a big buzz this year, um, not, just at, not just in Chicago, uh, national media level. Uh, when people were talking about Justin Fields, oh, it's one of the things, there's a big knock on him. Uh, he had second most sacks, uh, any quarterback in the NFL, and, you know, but one of the things that also didn't get talked a lot, a, a lot about was he also had one of the longest times that he held onto the ball simply because he was able to, uh, with his feet, yeah. was able to elongate plays, right? right. Which, it, it, while they're busy criticizing him for that, they've lauded uh, number 12 in Green Bay for, the, for that exact skill for years. Uh, so I think we're going to see more in the middle um, I don't think that sack totals are going to go down significantly. I think they will be reduced, but I don't think that they're going to drop by a whole lot simply because of the way he plays. Now, I do think that the um, I do think the offensive line is going to be better. I think it's just through cohesiveness it's going to be better. I think that. We're going into this off into this off season with a clearer picture of who's going to play each spot. Um, now, one of the things I wanted to hear from you was there seems to be a, this big debate about the Bears didn't really uh, hit the mark with Darnell uh, because uh, they went with a right tackle rather than going with a left tackle, and you know I, I think that I think that. Maybe too much significance is being put into that. Well, yeah. So two things. Like number one, we don't know that for sure. Right. It's it's possible he could come in and win the left tackle job. It's very possible. But number two, I think the more likely answer is that they think they've got a left tackle. So this actually lines up nicely with the third storyline I wrote because I just wrote the offensive tackles. Yeah. Because all my life I've wanted the Bears to have. Just a badass offensive tackle. <laughs> and I think every Bears fan's wanted that. It, it's been a revolving door, and there's been some that have been decent, and yeah. there's been some that have been good, and there's been some that have been very much not good. Yeah. So I, I think the fact that they've spent a top 10 pick on Darnell Wright, and they really like Braxton Jones by everything that they've said publicly. And also, there's a lot of people around the Bears that speak very highly of Braxton Jones. I've seen Greg Gabriel arguing on Twitter with people all offseason saying that, no, the Bears have somebody that's going to be a very good left tackle, and his name is Braxton Jones. So take Greg Gabriel's word for whatever it's worth. Yeah. He was here a long time and didn't find a great left tackle, but hey, that's somebody that that was in the NFL a long time. So there are NFL people that think very highly of the left tackle being Braxton Jones, and Darnell Wright 
sure. Can you say you don't want to take a right tackle in the top 10? Yeah, you, you can say that. But it was such a weakness, and it is still a very important position because of what you said. The, the quarterback holds the ball for a long time and wants to make plays with his feet. So you've got to be able to hold the edge on both sides of that line. And Absolutely. I, I am really excited to watch these two kids this year because Wright, I think, should make an impact pretty much from day one. I don't think he's going to come in and be Lane Johnson necessarily, but I expect him to play at a high level and then to continue to develop, and he'll have his rookie mistakes too, but I expect him to be a, a fairly plug-and-play guy. And Jones, it, it is same thing with the coaching staff. It's kind of the excuses are gone. We spent all last year saying he's done well for where he was picked, now it's going to be, is he playing well? Yeah. Yes or no? And I think that having... Yeah, being, uh, being well, he was a fifth-round pick. That's not going to be... That asterisk is gone. Exactly. He's had a full year of snaps, and he's had a whole offseason to get stronger. And I expect that the plan is that for him to come in and be a representative NFL left tackle. So I think that's obviously the important spots on the line. And I guess to answer your question, finally, no, I, I, I don't agree that it was a bad pick to go tackle in the top 10. That just doesn't make sense to me. And I, I think it was, it, it's a position that if Wright is good and if Jones is good, then the bears have their offensive tackles for a decade. And that's huge. Yeah. I, I mean, I just think that people are getting a little bit semantic there. Do you want to draft a stud left tackle in the top 10. Of course you do. Everybody wants to do that. They get drafted number one overall. But um, but the thing is, is that you have to be in position to do that. We weren't. We were at pick nine, you know, and so that wasn't going to happen. Um, they had, uh, one of the things that everybody talked about uh, before the draft was that there was a good chance that the Bears were going to start the run on the top offensive lineman. That didn't happen either. Paris, uh, Paris Johnson ended up going way higher than most people had him selected that. And, uh, uh, you know, um, so, you know, uh, polls went and uh, we, uh, polls, uh, from everything that I read, Darnell was a serious contender to be picked Period. Yeah, it's his guy. Yeah, it was his guy. Um, they put him. Uh, they there was extensive talk uh, from uh, from Wright from his coach uh, about the workout that they put him through. Um, it was it, the way I understand it is that the coach at Tennessee was like, I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, they, they put serious time and effort into him. And so, yeah, that's who they wanted. They didn't want Skaronsky. They didn't want Paris. They wanted Darnell. And that's who they took. And they expect him to make the kind of impact that you get when you draft a left tackle. It, he's just, if they play him on the right side, they play him on the right side. If they play him on the left side, it doesn't matter. He's, like you said, he's going to be one of the edge protectors. And it's been a really long time, in my opinion, going all the way back to John Tate, since we've had an edge guy that was truly a factor. And that's 20 years, right? Yeah. So that's way too long. 
You know, we're tired of the Marcus Webb, Marcus Webbs. <laughs> we're, 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 we're tired of, um, you know, the Lenos. Uh, those guys were, they were the asterisk guys, right? They played well for where they were drafted. Um, but this is a guy that polls, I would, I am sure would step up and say, no, we're expecting him to be a top player right from the get-go, right from snap one. Yeah, I hope so. I, I hope that they have high expectations for both tackles because they have spoken highly of both. And in the case of Jones, he has a lot of experience already. I mean, he played a full season. So you, you don't get that long in the NFL, and I, I expect both of them to play well this year. Anything you're interested in on the interior of the line? So, um, the, the with the uh, interior, um, my uh, my follow up, my half was center. Yeah, and you know it's it is one of the two positions that I feel uh, did not get addressed very well over the off season. Uh, edge rusher is the other one. Um, center. Now, I was a fan of the Doug Kramer pick last year. Um, this guy started 48, 42 games, I think, at, for University of Illinois at center. Um, the only knock on the guy was that he was small. They have him listed six foot two, three hundred pounds. Uh, I think he's. I think that weight is a little exaggerated. I think he's more like the two eighty range. Uh, but. You know, um, he, he's a 24-year-old guy. He had an injury right from the get-go, so we didn't get to really find out anything about him. I, I like hope right away in camp. Yeah, right away. Um, so I, I don't like the idea of using Cody Whitehair as a center. Um, I think his uh, ability to recognize the opposing defense is good, but he's uh, he's always had trouble snapping the ball. I mean, that's, there's no way you can you can brush that over it's it's blatant and he just hasn't played well in general even the last couple years the last couple of years his play has fallen off a little bit I don't know if he's been hurt it's possible that he's gotten healthier over the offseason but like you said even when he was playing center at a fairly high level he had trouble snapping the ball and yeah it's just not something that you really get excited about I I was really hoping this offseason that they would find the next center that's going to be here for 12. The next Olin. Yeah, the next Olin, the next Jason Kelsey. The, the guy that you're, you're building your line around for years to come. Or, um, what, is, what is his name? Creed... Uh, Humphrey. Creed Humphrey. I yeah. mean, the guy's already one of the best centers in the league. Like, I really wanted them to invest in that position. And, and, hmm, and who, who picked that guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, maybe it is. Maybe they really like Doug Kramer. I don't know. I, I think that if I... Think back to last year's camp. I feel like for the brief amount of time he was practicing, he had started taking starters reps. He he did. So maybe they are thinking that they have a center on the roster. And sure, they've got white hair there. They've got Patrick there. So yeah, and you know, that's another thing. I just wanted to quickly interject there is, let's not throw out Patrick. I mean, he's on the team. Yeah, and he's another one that was never healthy last year. He was hurt. Right away, I think he broke his hand, and then when he came back, he was injured, playing injured, and he was kind of bad, and he played like two games, then he was out again. For yeah, the- I think he had that ankle thing after that. Yeah, so he just... He, he was just never healthy. Yeah, so for sure. That was a player that they really liked and that they talked up when they signed, so 
he's still here for a reason, and I, I wouldn't necessarily count him out as either the starting center or playing there at some point this year. And that's the thing, too, with all these veterans. It's not like they need to cut any of these players because they've got a ton of cap space still. Right. They could keep Whitehair and Patrick as backups. Easy. If, if they want to and if the player agrees to it, I guess. But I, I don't think... The way I understand that... it, actually, is Patrick's number is not very bad at all. I mean, the big number, obviously, is Whitehair. Yeah, for sure. And I think with him, this is probably his last year because I'm pretty sure after this year they can get out of that contract with very little dead cap hit. But if he's willing to and he's around it's a good veteran presence and it's somebody that has played offensive line a long time and he's not like bad i I think you can still throw him out there and and, and feel okay about it and typically you're going to need more than five offensive linemen to get through the year anyway so i'm interested to see how that shakes out i I agree with with your comment on doug kramer i'm excited to see if he is getting similar buzz this year in camp like he was getting last year because it would sure be nice if, if one of those offensive linemen they picked at the end of last year's draft turned into something. Right, right. Um, okay, so that was the third storyline. Next one that I wrote down, and this is a pretty simple one, but I'm excited for the second year of Jaquan Brisker. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, that, that, Beast! Yeah, that, that's a player that I still think has legit all-pro potential. 100%. And... Played well last year. He made some plays. The the one that stands out is his game in New England after he got kicked in the rocks by Mac Jones. God. And he, how was that not called? Yeah, yeah I don't know. But he uh, had that. He had that game. He made some other nice plays that stand out on tape. He led the team in sacks, which yeah. is the joke everyone likes to make. But. There were some rookie mistakes, Yeah, but too. that doesn't take away from his ability. Yeah, exactly. There were some rookie mistakes, too. The big one that stands out was the Jalen Hurts parting of the ocean. <laughs> um, and th- there were a few other times, especially later on in the year, where I just thought Brisker took some really poor angles. But that's to be expected from a rookie. And yeah. you hope that he's taken the time this offseason to figure out what went wrong on those plays. And I just think that... It's a player that I expect a lot of really big from a lot of really big things from this year, and I think it'd be a really big impact player on the defense. So, even though it's a box safety, I, I'm pretty excited to see what's to come from him this year because I think it could be a huge part of the defense. Absolutely, um, abs- just loved that pick. Uh, he he was one of maybe my favorite pick from last year. Uh, you know, uh, he came out, instantly made an impact. Um, he continues to make plays. He, he just reminds me of Chicago football. When, when I watched him play last year, I was like, that guy's going to be with us for a while. Um, he, he, I think you're right. I think what is next for him is get rid of the BS, aim for all pro. Aim for the Pro Bowl. You're you can be one of the best strongs in the in the NFL in the NFC, and he had the immediate effect that I knew he would have on Eddie Jackson. It, it, it was it was not a coincidence. It was plain as day that Jackson played completely different, not having to worry about the box anymore. Uh, just like when Amos was there. 
And this guy is like, I, I think he plays like Amos, except he plays bigger and stronger and faster. Yeah, way better player. Way better player. Um, I, you know, I, I look for him to be one of the, one of the leaders on the team. Uh, I, I would certainly think that you would see a, a, a C on him at least a few times during the year. Uh, I, I think that um, when, uh, when it comes to the, when it comes to the middle of the field, uh, that, that acquisition along with Edmonds and Edwards uh, makes for a core in that center that will that will be really different than what we have seen the last couple of years. Exactly. Talk about building a culture, and that's a, a player that I, I kind of understand looking back now why Ryan Poles picked him where he did because a lot of people said, why are you picking a safety there? And I, I think I get it. It's just, like you said, great leader, great Great football character, also a really good player. Ball hawk. Yeah, like really, really good all-around player and has, has the potential to be one of the best players at his position in the NFL. So. Potential to decleat your butt. Oh, yeah, you, don't, you, don't, you wouldn't want to get hit by him over the middle, I don't <laughs> think. So. I, I'm just excited to see what happens this year. It would not surprise me at all if he is getting a ton of accolades at the end of this year, especially with... Some of the improvements around him on the defense, like you just mentioned, adding some more cornerbacks as well to take some of the burden off him. And I, I just think really big year to come for Jaquan Brisker, and I'm excited to watch that because it's been a, a bit since we've had a defensive player to really get excited about. Yeah, it, it really has been. The last one that's got to be Mac, right? Yeah. So that's... Five, yeah. five years ago already? Yeah, I mean, it, well, Roquan Smith did generate a lot when he first came in. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, he was a big investment. You know, it, you know number five pick overall, That's a, that was a big deal. Um, and I think he certainly played well. Um, you know, and he, he got his big deal. And, you know, all, all the best to him on, on, his, on his travels. But um, I, I think that this... This core is is being built by poles to be something that is around for three years, four years, five years, six years. Where these players he's bringing in are, like you said, creating that um, atmosphere. And uh, these are the players that he'll be looking at as, okay, yeah, I, I, I hope to see you in my office in, in three seasons. So, because I, I, I want your name on the dotted line for that for that second contract. Absolutely. So yeah, that was the fourth one I wrote down. Did you have any more? So um, that one, nope. Uh, those were those were mine. All right, I, um, one, real quick, one thing uh, I did want to touch on though, uh, while we were talking about this, was what are your thoughts on Jalen Johnson? <laughs> Not being an OTAs or, <laughs> or in, in general. No, I, 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 like you, I don't put a lot of th- uh, a lot of stock in the veterans not coming to OTAs right now. They don't have to. They're not pressured by the team to. He knows that he's a starter in the secondary, so him not showing up doesn't bother me. But at the but what I do think he has to show is he has shown a little bit more talking trash than he has substance at times and we need him to be 
and a, a number one, and he hasn't always been that. I think he's been pretty good uh, on the field. I agree that there's definitely been some off the field noise with him, not anything super serious. No, but yeah, I, I think that. But sometimes I think his mouth has been bigger than his his hands. Yeah, a little bit, especially with taking the ball away, and that that's a big emphasis with this coaching staff is that almost no what does he have one interception not many but also I, I think he's near the bottom of the league in targets like players don't throw at him now yeah. is that because he's awesome or because whoever has been playing on the opposite side of him is so bad that why would you ever throw towards Jalen Johnson <laughs> that that's an impossible question to answer and that's but, and it's probably a factor yeah for sure but he does cover well. I, I think, like I said, I mean, the fact that he's generally taking away a wide receiver on the other team is good. And we saw him go to battle with A.J. Brown and Stefan Diggs last year. And sorry, not Diggs. He didn't play in the Buffalo game. But A.J. Brown, I thought he equipped himself pretty well. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that he's a player that is is certainly in the right for wanting a big contract. And if if I were him, I would be expecting a contract extension from the Bears going into this year because he plays a premium position, and I think he's played well, and I think he played well last year. And if I were him, I'd, I'd want my money because you never know what's going to happen in an NFL game. Right. Anytime you step on the field, it could be the last time you're out there. So so here's some quick stats for you. Um, you know, it's always fun to go look at the numbers because we don't always remember what the numbers are. Um, he's played in uh, 30, he started, he's played in 39 games, started all 39 games, uh, 13 in 2020, 15 in 2021, 11 in 2022. So he hasn't actually played a full season um, that's something to note, right? Uh, one interception in three seasons in 39 games. That's a bit concerning. Uh, two forced fumbles. Uh, that's not as concerning, but still a little bit something to watch. You do expect to see forced fumbles from that position. Uh, and uh, he's had uh, 15, then 9, then 7 Passes defense. Well, and another player that this regime didn't draft. Another player this this regime did not draft. And he doesn't have a ton of leverage, right? Because if he plays great this year and they can't agree to an extension, then the Bears can always franchise tag him. Yep. So And he's coming off not a very good year. Really? Only, well, I mean, I mean, relatively speaking, right? Because it's like you said, there's a lot of factors there. The guys around him were not very good. Um, you know, the the two best guys that were in the secondary other than him were both rookies. There's, yeah, <laughs> and the rest of the guys are, you know, they're, you know, doing, they're doing tile for, uh, yeah. <laughs> for the Home Depot now. No, no pass rush at all. No pass rush. I mean, literally, they were back there for 12 seconds. Uh, you know, so so that was a factor. But only 11 games, you know. Um, so, you know, you know, hey, you can be the greatest player in the, in, in the NFL. If you don't play, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, and we, we don't – we have yet to see this 
regime extend a player that they didn't draft. So yeah, we we don't know what their philosophy is on that. And this time last year, I think Jalen Johnson when he did show up to the OTAs, I think they had him like running with the second team or something. Oh right, do you remember that? So I don't know if there's any friction with for like a day right Uh, yeah i think so i think it was a day or two so like i don't know if there's been any sort of friction between him and flus and him and the coaching staff or not i don't know it's it's definitely going to be a situation to monitor this year especially if the bears don't agree to an extension with him before the season starts i i i think it's certainly a player that i want around i i I like jalen johnson a lot and i hope they keep him because I, i just think that you don't build a football team by letting good players walk out the door when they're in their early to mid twenties. But I mean, he might also be saying that he wants to get paid like the top corner in the game. I don't know if he is or not. But and yeah, he's not the top corner. Yeah. In I don't, the game. I don't think he's going to get, he's that. not in the top 10. Yeah. I, I, without having to, without listing him off, I, I'd probably agree. Right. So I am going to be very interested to see how that negotiation plays out. In terms of him missing OTAs, I don't really read a ton into that. It's not like he's learning the, the defense for the first time. And I always feel bad for these guys, too, a little bit. Like some, Sometimes like they might just have stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> so, like you said, it is optional. I don't read into it. If there's noise leading up to the mandatory parts of the offseason that maybe he won't attend, then maybe we're getting to a point where we're talking about, is this a contract negotiation that's resulting in a holdout? But we're not there yet, and we're going to see. And, you know, uh, we, we also have to, you know, we, we have to look further uh, at the talent evaluation of him because, you know, um, I remember his rookie year, uh, 15 passes defense, you know, um, he, 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 you know, he played really well that year. But there was also, it was kind of one of those things where he played like really good against players that weren't real good, and then against some of the more uh, the more elite receivers, he struggled a bit. And then this in its in his second season, you know, he he played he played okay, he played well. I think he's a good cornerback, but I I certainly don't think he's an elite corner. Um, I don't know whether he's technically even a one. Uh, you know there. Uh, we'll have to see how he compares with what is certainly, you know, the the best secondary that he's been a part of with the team. Right. So um, there's a lot of hype around Tyreek, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, I, I read some uh, I read some stats on uh, Terrell Smith from from Minnesota. He's no he's no slouch. So I mean, we'll have to see obviously how they're. They, they translate into the NFL, but um, uh, if if Johnson wants that one, just like on the receiver side, if he wants that one money, he has to play like a one money, and I don't know whether he's done that yet. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't know. I, I haven't. I certainly think that he is a. I certainly think he's good. I certainly think that if he's your best corner, then you're not feeling bad about that. Yeah. But if you're talking about him like he's, like you said, a top 10 guy, probably not, right? And 
I think that... Or does he come out and play like a top 10 guy? Which he might. I mean, this defense is a lot better than the ones he's been a part of the last couple of years. So if he views that as an opportunity, like like you just compared him to Claypool, I mean, go out and get it right yeah. now. I mean, this is your year if, if you want that big contract extension or... You know, who knows? Maybe that maybe they'll agree to a contract before the season even starts. But. And and you know, one thing also is, do we see him come out and play seventeen games? Yeah, that's another big thing. For you sure. know, what I mean, it's like that's the most basic of things, but it's super important. Yeah. So you know, do we just see him come out and play a full season? So uh, it's it certainly he, he's. I, I, I got to believe that. Um, you know the coaching staff and uh, and polls. You know want that guy to succeed and be and be a be a part and certainly get extended. But as you said, um, at the same time, I don't think you'll see polls bend over backwards to make sure and keep the guy if he comes out and plays eleven games again. Do you think that they get an extension done with any of these players before the start of the season? Boy, I it. It, my gut right now says no. I think Mooney... So there's three that it's on the table for. Right. There's Mooney, which I think is almost assured no. Johnson... Agreed. Johnson, I, I think probably not because of like what you said. I think he's going to want top money, and I don't think Poles is going to give him top money. Based it's on hard to do that based on 11 games last year. Yeah, based on what he's done so far. The, the one that you could maybe see is Komet. Yeah, um, that wouldn't surprise me. Comet's Komet, arrow, right? If you if you look at it, arrow, right? Mooney's arrow was down. Johnson's arrow was down. Comet's arrow was up. Right, exactly. So that's the one that wouldn't shock me. But I also don't know that he's gonna bend over backwards to sign a tight end whose whose best attribute is his blocking. So I, I kind of agree with you. I tend to think probably not, but. If there's one that is going to happen, I think it would be Komet. Agreed. Uh, Komet was the one that made the most significant impact of the three players. Um, you know, uh, and um, uh, man, durability. Holy smokes, the guy is like a brick. <laughs> well, and it, <laughs> He's like a brick wall. It, so it, it might make sense, too, because they are definitely still evaluating fields. Yeah. So... If, and he has a good chemistry with Fields. And, but if you get through this year and you're not committed to Fields, then it doesn't really make sense to be committed to anybody, really. Yeah. So that that might be part of it, too, which is that, hey, until we're sold, sold on the quarterback, we're not handing out extensions to anybody because if this year goes in the tank at quarterback, then as as bad as it is to say, you're looking at a, a whole rebuild again. So. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I... We both believe that that's not going to happen. Um, I, I don't. I, I don't believe it's going to happen at all. Um, but it, it, you know, can it? Sure. Um, so, as you said, you know, how how much is he going to invest around that? Uh, I, you know, I, I'd say commit is maybe sixty percent. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I don't see it happening with Johnson. Or with Mooney, simply because they didn't play very much last year. Mooney missed almost the entire season. Mm -hmm. Well, that's it for this week, uh, Bears fans. Thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, um, 
you're going to be off next week. Yeah, I'm out next week. Uh, I don't know yet if Tom's going to do an episode with somebody else or not. Yeah, we'll see if we can fill somebody in uh, and figure out something to talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this time of the year, it sometimes is yeah. a, a struggle. So, But anyway, uh, thanks for, uh, for tuning in this one and uh, bear it out. Yeah, thanks for listening. Talk to you guys in two weeks.